Good morning, everyone. Well, uh, it's good to be here with you today, and um, uh, we're in this series. If it's your first time with us as a guest here, or you're visiting relatives out of town, just glad you're here with us. I'm Jim Del Campo, and I'm lead pastor here. Um, those of you joining us on uh, on live stream, hey, God bless you guys. Uh, in this series, uh, it's called Us, and uh, this message today is is uh, one that's closer to my heart of all of them. And uh, I, I was I've been sharing with a few people. I've really struggled with the whole introduction because to really lay it out right, it'll make sense as you move along in it, in the middle part and the late parts of it. But to really lay the the foundation for it in the beginning, uh, because it's something as I've I've struggled with in my life. Uh, and as I've counseled people for the last, you know, 30 plus years, this is something that I see in, in every human on the planet to certain degrees, and you'll see why in a second. Um, I'm not the only one with it. <clears throat> but we're in the series called Us, and by definition, us is um, every relationship, every friendship, uh, your co-worker friendships, uh, family relationships, marriage, romantic relationships, sibling, <clears throat> it's everything, everything is us, and so I'm working up this, uh, this reality that if I fix me, I fix us, say that with me, if I fix me, I fix us, and so it, it kind of reverses the trend of our society that tr wants to blame the other person only in the relationship, and now it, it pins it back on myself, where I need to take responsibility for uh, what what I do and how I behave in the relationship. I'm just curious right now, how many actual, do we have any, like, you do this for a living or some, any counselors in the room this morning? Maybe do one, uh, okay, just one? Okay, I may need counseling afterwards. So just, no, I'm just joking. Um, but let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. The message is called loving me. In no way it's narcissistic whatsoever. And I just think some people really don't love themselves, and some people don't love themselves, they don't realize they don't love themselves. And then I thought about calling it something else like relational wanderer, but then I thought, no, the people that have you know, been married 30, 40, 50 years, 20 years, you're going to think that doesn't pertain to you, but it pertains to everyone, um, because you can be a relational wanderer and still be in a marriage. If that doesn't make sense yet, it'll make sense in a little bit here. But um, I, I want to talk about uh, an issue in, in life, and I'll show you biblically in a second why it is a true thing, but um, you know my story. You know I grew up in a home where there was alcoholism every day, and I'm not exaggerating that one bit. I'm not. I'm not. And I've read a lot on these topics uh, over the last 30 years, and uh, now they're stating that the people that grow up in alcoholic homes, that it's like you become like post-traumatic stress syndrome, whatever they call it, like you've gone into war. It's what you grew up in. And I got, well, that makes kind of sense too. I, I, I once again, I looked up the stats because I always say there's about 70 to 80 million of us in America, adult children of alcoholics. There are, there are 76 million of us in America that grew up in homes where alcohol, alcoholism is a, kind of a foundational thing there. 76 million, 28 million of them are children, friends. And one in eight people in America have some kind of an alcohol situation problem going on. So this is a big deal in America. And I'm not here to talk against, uh, you know, that. I'm here to talk about a symptom. One of the symptoms that I've struggled with in my life, and it's part of being an adult child and alcoholic, is uh, the feelings of rejection and abandonment. 
Does anybody just, before I go deep into this, anybody know by, feel, anybody know what that feels like? Raise your hand if you know what it feels like. Re- feelings of rejection and abandonment. Okay, the rest of, some of you are, are not going to raise your hand no matter what. Okay, I get it. Re- rejection and abandonment. Let, let me put it this way, because what happens is you end up in a, in the long term as life goes by, you start ending up in self-imposed states of isolation if you're not aware and you're not careful. And how many know that you can feel very isolated or alone in a marriage? Just nod in your head or something, okay? So it can be any, it doesn't mean that you're not around people. You can be very isolated even that way. Um, I gave you 13 years to watch this movie, now I'm going to tell you. Has anyone ever seen the movie The Prestige? It's about illusionists. You ever seen the movie The Prestige? Anybody seen that? It's, you know, Christian Bale and uh, Hugh Jackman. And there, there's a... Uh, uh, Christian Bale, they're always trying to outdo each other. And Christian Bale in the movie, you don't know in the movie this is so till the very end. And I'm going to tell you what happens and I'll tell you. He, um, he, he, he gets married to this gal. And after a while, she starts, it's happy. And then after a while, you could tell she's not happy. And then there's a scene, and you don't understand it at the moment till the very end. And she says this to him. She goes, oh, today you love me. And, and I go, I don't know what that... And then at the end, you, you realize as it ends that to pull off the tricks that he did on stage, the illusions, he has a twin brother, an identical twin brother. And so in the movie, you finally put it together after it's over that he fell in love with this girl, he married her, but the twin brother gets to be the person who comes out and lives, and then he goes into hiding, and they go back and forth. So when the other brother comes out, she realizes he doesn't love me because he's not that guy. And then when he comes back, oh, he loves her. So in that scene, she says, oh, today you love me. And I thought, that's such an interesting thing right there because, you know, counseling so many people over years, and you understand, and looking at my own life, that, you know, you can, you can begin to... Uh, Isolate yourself, and I've watched it myself, and I watched it a couple. This was the big problem in my marriage for the first six years that I, I would shut down my emotions into a self-imposed state of isolation because of my rejection and abandonment issues. I would just shut down. If you don't believe me, talk to my wife. She'll be glad to give you the book she wrote on my issues. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I had so many issues growing up in that alcoholic home. And one of them is you become very isolated, you become quiet, you shut down, and that's what I did. And so you begin to, even though I'm I'm married now and I live in the same house, I'm very distant. Anybody know what I mean? Just say amen by that right there. So I became very distant emotionally because you started to shut yourself down uh, on this. Uh, And then then because you have such deep-rooted rejection and abandonment issues in your life, Let me put it to you this way. Here's how it affects the us part of us besides what I just said. And then we're going to go deeper into this as we go along. Uh, When I was about 10 years old, uh, you know, it was like 2003. But when I was 10 years old, back in 66, but uh, not 1866, but back then we had a lot of fields in Corona where the kids could go out and play in the neighborhood. Remember those days? And, and, And not anymore, but we'd go out. And I remember one time all of us neighbor kids were out in the field playing and there was an 8-year-old, I think one of my friends was, there was a couple 10-year-olds, there was a 12-year-old, and the 8-year-old, he goes, look, a salamander, and he reaches down, and one of the 12-year-olds comes and just pushes him out of the way, don't touch that, it was a centipede. The kid was going to pick up a centipede, now, it wasn't a salamander, so somebody, the guy knocks him out of the way. Now, centipede, I don't know if they bite or stink, I can't remember, but they do cause pain. It won't kill you, but they do cause pain. 
Now, let me tell you, just listen closely, because you've seen it or you've experienced it. When we have these interior issues of rejection and abandonment, we grow up that way, we tend to pick centipedes, don't we? We tend to pick people that will hurt us, huh? We tend to pick people that will wound us. Now, let me reverse it. When we have these rejection and abandonment issues, we're the centipede. We're the one that stings. We're the one that causes pain. We're the one that shuts down. We're the one that gets distant. We're the one. You know what the worst thing was about becoming a Christian for me? And it was the worst thing. I became a Christian, so I stopped drinking. Drinking loosened me up. And then I become a Christian, and I'm not drinking anymore, and I don't know what to do with all these bottled up emotions. Did anybody ever experience that? And I told myself I wasn't going to go back to the bottle. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bring upon my children what was brought upon me. I'm not going to do that. But I didn't know what to do, how to deal with myself. I didn't know what to do. And so it caused so many problems. And then eventually it started me down the road of, of st- starting to face up to the things in my life. Let me show you why I know, not feel, not think. I know that everyone carries some level of rejection and abandonment issue in their life. Some are worse than others, depending on what you grew up in. Adam and Eve are the first two humans. And if you're new to church, you don't believe the Bible, you're not a Christian, that's fine. Just listen to what I'm going to say. Just trust me for a second. And you think it's a fairy tale. That's okay. I'm okay with you. They're the first two humans on the planet. God places them there. And and you've heard me say this before, uh, uh, New Beginnings people, but I want you to really understand it. So you hear me say it many times in the future. Everything's perfect. Everything's good. And then they're tempted to partake of the fruit, and they partake, and they sin. Before that, the last verse of chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, and they were naked, and they were unashamed. They were not ashamed. They were naked, not ashamed. After they sin, all of a sudden, shame comes into the world as a result of sin. Is everyone here a sinner? Yes, for all have sinned and fall short. See, shame says I fall short somewhere. I don't measure up. That's the rejection. That's the abandonment. That's the rejection of self. So I fall short. So now they go get fig leaves and they cover up. Who are they hiding from? No, 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 no. Not yet. Who are they hiding from? Each other. See, now you see distance in relationships. Now the fig leaves come up. Then they hear God walk in the garden, and then they jump into the trees. Now who are they hiding from? God. So now you see that there's distance, 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 and now they're hiding from each other, and they're hiding from God, and now you could say they're in a self-imposed state of isolation. They're alone. Now, stop and I'm going to say this. Now I'm going to say it again later. Um, In the beginning, when God saw, he had created all the animals and he saw Adam. He said about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm sure Satan heard that one, huh? And he says, if it's not good for man to be alone, guess what I'm going to try to get him to be? Alone. That's why it's excruciating in some of our marriages that you're married and you feel alone in it. It's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible thing. Now, um, 
So they, they, they get alone. She says, I'm going to get them alone because the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He gets them alone. Now they're in a self-imposed state of isolation. But they have shame. Shame, sin says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. See, rejected, abandoned, pull away, isolate. You see in the beginning as a result of S-I-N, which spells sin. And every one of us has sin at least 10,000 times. And so every one of us carries shame in our life. Now, growing up in the world I grew up in, your shame issue gets huge, really huge, because I'm not going to go to school at show and tell and tell them, you just see my dad last night, he was drunk, it was really a cool thing. How many know you're not going to do that, huh? Because you're ashamed of these things, and so you personalize the shame, and you put it upon yourself. I couldn't even remember how many lies I told to my friends, trying to act this way, trying to act that way, trying to cover up that way as a kid. It's incredible. Because you feel shame in your life. And what you're doing is, is you're, you're, you're losing who you are even before you begin in life. And so it's a hard, hard thing. And so we start to travel down these roads of self-imposed state of isolation. You'll pull away from here. You'll pull away from church. You'll pull away from good things. Eventually to get you alone. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to get him alone. I'm going to get you by yourself. I'm not, you're not going to fellowship. You are not. You're, you're going to come to church, but you're going to meet me and get out right away. Don't even talk to people. Self-imposed state of isolation. It's the enemy's plan, and it destroys any us that we have. Just for my sake, so it, it, am I becoming clear yet? So raise your hand if I'm clear, because if I'm not clear, then I'll do it all over again. You know, now you all raise your hand and your foot, huh? Yeah, okay, I know what you like. Okay, good, because I really struggle with the intro to make sure I'm clear. Now, let me give you the key verses again for the series. We're in a six-week series, second week right now. And that's this. This is what we're keying off of. Read it with me, three verses all together. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you, I like rest, interior rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, come on, let let me teach you something. For I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for your souls. Now watch this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't we all want life a little bit easier and lighter on the inside? I'm talking about the inside now. That's right, huh? But when we live in self-imposed isolation, we walk around rejecting issues, that just makes life harder. Makes life harder. Let me give you one little one before I move on. How this works. Don't even nod your head. Don't raise your hand. You're someplace. This is just for whoever in this room. And it's really hard for you sometimes to communicate because you really have to think about your words because you think you're going to be rejected. And you have a conversation, and you make some statements, isn't that? And then you walk away and think, God, stupid, why did I say that? Why? I wish I would. Some of us know what that feels like, huh? Because we've rejected ourselves. Because I fall short. Because I don't measure up. And we're always worrying about what will be accepted. And therefore, we lose ourselves. Does that make sense? Okay, I can give you a lot of those, but that's not what I'm here for today. Okay, here we go. We're gonna, the, our, our statement has been, we're going to address the mess. You guys ready to address the mess? Okay, let me tell you right now, today's not going to heal you. You're looking at a guy 30 years down the road working on this stuff, and I think I'm about 85% good on getting rid of the rejection, abandonment issues, but I don't think they'll be gone for, until I go to heaven. Well, Jim, there's no hope. No, but trust me, it gets better, okay? Okay, now, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read a story from the Hebrew Scriptures. First book, first scroll of the Old Testament, Genesis. 
And it's Cain and Abel. If you're new to church, not a Christian yet, you probably heard of Cain and Abel, the first two kids of Adam and Eve. Now watch this. Now watch the story because there's going to be rejection involved in this. Verse 3 through 12, and it says this. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and other fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. His offerings rejected. The reason it's rejected, we find in Hebrews chapter 11, New Testament, is because it wasn't done in faith. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Isn't that a great question to ask ourselves? And why has your countenance fallen? It's a face thing. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. We all know what that feels like, huh? But you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground because God knows he killed his brother. You are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Let me pray. God. I just pray today, Lord, the things I'm going to say in the next few moments, God, hopefully they make sense. Hopefully they're impactful. Hopefully something good happens out of this. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you six things really quick. These are bullet, point, bullet points here in your notes about, about Cain. And I'm going to show you sequentially what's going on. It starts with rejection, right? He got rejected. Not him, but his offering was rejected. He personalizes the rejection. Here it goes. Number one, Cain is angry. So when a person grows up with feelings of rejection and abandonment, there's a lot of anger in them. I can attest to that. I grew up a very angry person. How many grew up very angry? Uh, and it doesn't mean you're outwardly angry. You could be angry on the inside. I was inside angry. Raise your hand. I want to know how many of us need to start a support group afterwards. Okay. <laughs> now, in case you think, oh, not me. Okay. Chronic. How many of you get irritable per, uh, pretty regularly? Raise your hand. Let's do it that way. Raise your hand. Irritable. Oh, now the hands go up, huh? <laughs> Did you know that's anger? How many of you get impatient pretty regularly? Okay, did you know that's anger? How many of you shut down and pout? You get quiet, raise your hand. How many of you, that's anger also. Any one or two or three or any, uh, on a somewhat consistent basis, not that I get angry, I'm always angry and whatever pushes or triggers me, there's the manifestation. Now does it make sense? Does it make sense? That's anger, my friends. So I was that angry guy. I grew up that way. I mean, and so the rejection issues I had, a lot of anger inside. And how many know it's so fun to walk on eggshells around an angry person? Isn't that real fun? Because you're always wondering, what, what are they going to be like today? Second thing is this. Cain experiences facial change. 
Now, I like that one in verse 5 because God says his countenance has fallen. It's, it's, it's like he just has a, a different look, no more joy. Have you ever noticed that when we go through these, these things in life that our face, because we're protecting ourselves, how many walked around with the angry face? Come on, raise your hand. I want to know. Right? Come on, raise your hand. And why do we walk around the angry face? Keep people at bay, right? How many of us walked around with just more of a blank face, emotionless, because no one, we grew up in a situation, no one's going to ever hurt us again. I'm not going to cry anymore, so I'm not going to show emotion. Anybody? That was me. I'm not going to show anything. I'm not showing anything at all. Where we should exude the joy of the Lord. Number three, and Cain has opportunity to correct his heart. This is the God moment right now. God never abandons us. And he says, let's fix this, Cain, before it gets worse in your life. He says, if you do well, it's going to be okay. But if you don't, there's ugliness coming. This is what we want to get to at least start today. No one's going to be healed today. We're going to start down the road if you choose to start down the road. Number four, Cain rejects others. In verse 8, he kills his brother. Okay. That's where the us problems begin, don't they? Don't they? If I feel issues of rejection and abandonment, then I'm going to reject other people. And I'm going to hurt other people. And I'm going to wound other people. And it'll be difficult for me to really be in a consistent, loving, close relationship with humans. Because if I'm rejecting myself, I feel reject, I'll reject others. And so he kills his brother. We kill relationships, do we not? Do we not? We sabotage it. You know, I talk to people and, and they tell me what they do in relationships and I say... Have you ever thought that you're just sabotaging it? What do you mean? Well, look what you do. Everything you've told me, every time you do the same thing, and you're driving them away. You're sabotaging the whole thing. For some people, the light bulb just goes on. They never really saw that. They're just repeating patterns. They're they're forcing themselves into a self-imposed state of isolation. That's what they're doing. They don't want to do that, but that's what they're doing. Number five. And then what happens when the relationships break up or friendships break up? Cain rationalizes his broken relationships with, I don't care. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't care. Don't we do that when something breaks up? I don't really care about them anyway. Don't we do that? Anybody? Am I talking to the wrong crowd? That's right, huh? How about number six? Cain will experience worse than the original curse. He says, not only is the ground cursed, in verse 11 it says, you know, it's, it's not going to open up, verse 12, it's not going to open up to you, won't longer yield to you, but, but think about this. God says you're going to be a wanderer. How many people are wandering through life not making close connections? Now, now, can I show you something that as I thought and thought and thought about this, it didn't pop in my head until about 35, 40 minutes ago. I never thought about it like this. But watch repeat patterns. I told you earlier that God said about Adam and Eve, it's, or about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So, Adam and Eve sin, and thus, because God said, if you eat the fruit, you shall surely what? You'll die. They killed themselves that day. They killed themselves spiritually, which means they killed the relationship with God. See how they distanced themselves? I'm going to get you to be alone. They jump, they hide from each other, they hide from God. Now they're alone. Now watch. Not only do they do that, 
Cain comes along and he kills his brother and God says, you're going to be a wanderer. Now, guess what he is? He's alone too. He's a wanderer. And you see how it starts with one member, this generation of the family, and then they pass it to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, until somebody decides to break the generational curse. Does that make sense? I never saw the two together like that, but it's like, isn't that fascinating? So it gets worse for Cain than before. Now, now he's a wonder. It's, it's worse than before for all of them. So this is where all these us relationships begin to fragment, fracture, bust up. We, dis, we disconnect from church people. We disconnect from family. We disconnect from this. We disconnect everywhere. And all we're doing is sabotaging it all because possibly we have a self-imposed state of isolation and we have rejection and abandonment issues inside of us. Now, let me show you some on screen, not in your notes. So I, I, I want to I pause for a bit and just take these things in. Here, here's what these are symptoms of rejection when we walk around with these feelings inside. Walk around with something is wrong with me. I, I, I'm unlovable. Well, think about it. For all of sin and fall, sure, something's wrong with me. Shame says I'm bad and I'm wrong. And so... Obviously, I'm going to feel like something's wrong with me. I'm unlovable. I don't, I'm, I'm less than. I, you know, I'm all these things. And so when we feel these things, we project these things. You ever wonder why we, some of us have low self-esteem? There it is. There it is. Hmm. The next one. We replay the trauma. We choose unavailable people. You know, my wife's an adult child, an alcoholic, too. Your counselor, you know we pick people that we're used to, huh? We pick people that we're used to because it fits like a glove, our dysfunction. My wife's father was a binge drinker. And so she picked, unavailable, so she picks a husband to be who's unavailable emotionally. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And my wife, I caused her so much pain in those first six years. She felt so alone. I, I couldn't even count how many times I'd come home and she'd be like, where is she? And she'd be on the bed with a box of tissues. And she'd be crying. She'd probably crying like, why did I marry this guy? I'm just being serious. I was so unavailable. We choose unavailable people. Let me tell you something about that. When we start living this lifestyle, this is why some people, in my strong opinion, walk away from God because, remember I said last week, you take the face of the person of the past, you put it in the present, remember that? Well, what we do also with God is we take the face of the person who was unavailable in the past in what we grew up in and we put it on God and we think God is unavailable. And so when God doesn't answer our prayer in three months or three days or three minutes or a year, we feel like God's unavailable and we put someone else's face on God and it's not fair. It's just not fair. How about this one? We might take out our anger on, on innocent bystanders. Anybody do that this week? Anybody get mad real quick? Get hot? A few choice words? Yeah, you know. You don't have to raise your hand. I see the nod. How about this one? Expectation of rejection creates a false reality, hindering our ability to think clearly. See, people walk around with the expectation they're going to be rejected. They really do. You think, no, they don't. Oh, yeah, they really do. 
Start talking to people. You'll find that out. When your shame base is strong, or strong, or strong, you walk around thinking people are going to reject you. How about this one? We keep people at arm's length because people deserted you. If somebody left us in the past, look, you grew up, dad left, mom left, divorce situation, dad, whatever, never called, there's addiction in the family, whatever, and you're feeling alone there, you, people left you, guess what you're going to do as you get older? You're not going to trust people. Any amens on that one? You're going to keep people at arm's length because you're never going to allow yourself in a position where you're going to get hurt again. I'm not going to feel that again, and I'm going to keep people at bay. I'm going to have rigid control of my life in every relationship, so I'm going to keep you at bay. You and everybody else. How about this one? Mood swings. Anxiety, feelings of depression, numb self through some kind of addiction. We've got to go back into something. Anybody practice mood? Not practice. Anybody have mood swings? Well, there was a giggle. How about this one? Someone fails you. Listen. Someone fails you in a small, explainable way. In a small, explainable way, and you take it personal. Anybody? Raise your hand if you know that what that feels like. Because it's, it's all about you, right? I always tell people in council, I go, oh, God, who's it all about? Who's the world revolve around? <laughs> Everything's personal because it's all about you, man. I had that same one. I had to get over it. How about this one? You downplay the importance of people in your life. Well, do whatever you want. I don't care. When you feel like someone's let you down, or well, do whatever you want. I don't care. And the reality is you do care because it hurts deep and you do care. How about this one? Emotional hijacking. We become sensitive to anything that triggers rejection. Anything that smells, feels, tastes like rejection. We're just hypersensitive to those things so we can experience rejection all over again. There it is. Yeah? Yeah? No? Yeah? Uh-huh? Okay. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Anymore. I'm all off the all other and you do all this stuff, and some of us end up, well, we pick wrong people. And now, the question for today is like, okay, Jim, you painted a real bad picture. Well, God in the middle of it says, come on, Cain. Come on, Jim Del Campo. You'll do well. Just don't go down that road. I'm not going to say you're going to leave here going, oh, I'm healed. It's not going to happen. It's a road. But let me tell you the only thing that finally helped me to finally start making progress, and I've followed this pattern for, for 30 years now. And it starts with the reality. Because I grew up with these rejection issues. Um, man, if you have rejection and abandonment issues, do not become a pastor. Don't do it, man. Because you're going to get rejected a lot. And it's it's... It's excruciating if you don't deal with the issues. So here's what helped me. This is where it began. Let me tell you the story first. Let me tell you what the application is. You guys know my favorite story, right? What is it? Prodigal son. So the prodigal son blew it, and he's coming home. And all he wants to do, he says, I know I can't be a son anymore. Make me a servant in your house, Dad. That's all what he's coming home for. As he's walking home, what, what Jesus doesn't say and what the original hearers knew was this. They knew that the townspeople where that boy was from, they knew they're getting ready. If that boy comes home knowing that he has lost 
As a Jewish boy, he's lost all his inheritance to Gentiles, to non-Jews. That was bad. So what they're getting ready is they're getting something called kizaze ready. Kizaze is a rejection ceremony. So the boy's walking home. And he knows kizaze's coming. He knows it. I can't be a son. I'm going to be a servant in the house. The townspeople, what they would do is they'd get clay jars and they'd put dried out corn in there. They'd rush to the outside of town wherever that boy's coming and when he gets there, they're going to smash the jars and they're going to say, Kezaze, meaning cut off fellowship. You don't belong here. Broken fellowship like this broken vase can never be repaired. And they're going to get there. Why do you think the dad runs in the story? That's why he runs. Because, because he's got to get there first before the townspeople get there. You know what that's like, huh? You don't want the NBCC Pharisee to get to your friend before the loving one does, right? Am I right? It's every church is like that. You know the Pharisee, the church Pharisee comes and tells everybody they're doing wrong and they don't even want Jesus after a while. Like, I'm not going back to that place. Well, the dad, he runs. And here's the thing. They don't run in those days because they wear these skirts. And what you have to do is pull the skirt up and tie it around your tie belt, exposing your legs. That's why you don't run. It's humiliating and shameful for a man to do that. And that the dad doesn't care. He just takes off running. And he runs for his boy. He's got to run and get there fast because who's going to beat him there? The town people. And so he runs because they're going to reject my boy. My boy feels bad enough. I've got to get there and stop Kazaze. And he runs and he sprints to get his boy and he hugs his boy. And that's what the original hearers would understand. They're like, whoa, dad ran, pulled up the two. Are you kidding me? We don't see that because we don't read the background on these stories and understand the Jewish customs in it. And he, and he beats them there, to, beats the townspeople there. And he says, no, it doesn't matter what my son has done. doesn't matter where he's come from. doesn't matter what ugliness he's been into. There's, there's grace for my boy. And I forgive my boy. And I want my boy. And he hugs him, and he kisses him. And, he, and the Greek says he kisses him, and he kisses him. Can you imagine what the boy felt? I don't deserve any of this. I deserve none of this. Man, when stuff like this started to get into my head, this truth, when you're a kid who grows up in that kind of alcoholism and you feel rejected and abandoned and you go through life so insecure, when you start getting stuff like this in your head and it starts to transform your thing, it's like, okay, okay. But let me tell you how, how it drills down in our lives. Because it's a great story, but... The, 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 the story even widens out. The father in the story is a picture of Father God. The, the boy comes and they give, him, they give him the ring, they give him the robe, they give him the shoes, and they slay the fattened calf. Remember that? The only person who sat on the story is the fattened calf. That's where they slay the fattened calf. Some of you got that, okay. The rest of you in the parking lot, you'll laugh. But the, the killing of the fattened calf is a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you never thought of it that way. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he carried every one of my sins. And I fought it. And I fought coming to Jesus for five years. But if you could only understand it, but you couldn't. I'm, I was a natural man at the time. I wasn't Christian. And he sheds his blood. And you know what that blood does? Listen, listen, listen. It washes away all of my sins. It washes away all of my past. 
And it says that I, it's, the word justification comes into play. And I'll tell you what the word justification simply means declared innocent. It's as if, Jim, you've never done anything wrong in your life. You've never committed a sin. You do not fall short. You're, the, you're a son of God. You're created in the image of God. You don't have to walk around with low self-esteem, feeling like people are going to reject you, abandon you. You don't have to take things personal anymore. You don't have to be angry anymore. That I'm, my standing before God is right, no matter what. And nothing I can do could change that. It's what Jesus did. And once I get that, and I keep doing that, and living that, and thinking that, and walking it, and getting it, and walking it, and getting it, and walking it, as time goes by, let me tell you, and I've read all, a lot of books, and I read articles on my issues. I stay on it, because I know if I don't stay on it, I'll go right back to those stupid issues, and I'll blow up my us relationships, or I'll cause distance, or my wife once again will feel like, where are you? You've shut down again. Like you did when you were eight years old in your family, when everything's crazy. You went to your room, and you shut down. I would go right back to it as a 63-year-old man. You say, that's impossible. It's not impossible. You think the devil's dead? You think as you're going to move to a conservative part of the country, the devil's not there? Are you kidding me? He's everywhere. He's He's got demons everywhere. But when you start getting your mind washed clean, man, and you're standing before God as justification, just as if I never sinned. Changes everything. Becomes light. It becomes easy. If I fix me, I fix us. If you don't believe anything I've said, go talk to my wife. Ask her what Jim was like the first six years of the marriage. Ask her what Jim was like on the honeymoon. If you really want to get... So one day I'll tell you that story, huh? You'd like to know that now, wouldn't you? (laughs) I broke that girl's heart because I was so shut down emotionally. But thank God God didn't give up on me. He said, Jim, if you do well, if you face up to things, you're a damaged kid. You're a damaged kid. So I just started down the road, reading up on my ACA issues, reading books on it, Blood of Jesus, justified, declared innocent, standing before God. The father got to the son before they could reject him. I'm not rejected. I'm not the insecure guy I used to be. Uh Uh-uh. Not at all. I'm okay. Not because of me. Because of what God has done. And I've just walked in it and accepted it and let this all the stinking thinking get washed out. And it's taken 30 years of repetitive action and walking in these things to where I'm at today. 30 years, guys. This is my 30th year working on my stupid junk. But it's paid off tremendously, tremendously. I have so much peace in my life where I didn't before. My 20s were filled with stiff necks. It hurt so bad I couldn't function. Up to my early 40s, I had the anxiety in my chest. Some of you know what that feels like, huh? And finally, I worked that out through working with my issues. I quit clenching my jaw somewhere in my early 50s because, you know, they're all anxiety things. And I got more and more peace. The last thing to go is I got to quit gnawing the inside of my mouth. They're all anxiety things. But more and more peace, more and more peace. 
If I fix me, I fix us. When's the last time you really had an honest counseling session with yourself? And can I tell you something too? Please don't play the, I, I, I can figure it out on my own. I said that last week. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's, that's Satan again. Oh, man shouldn't be alone. I'm going to get him alone. No, you're going to make it worse. You're going to make it worse. Come on. You owe it to the people around you to be the best version of you you can be. Let's start today. And let's start now. Stand up with me this morning. Thanks for listening.